Welcome to Governmental Astrology. I'm Linda Rowe. Today is the 7th of April, 2020, and today is the full moon in Aries. It's going to happen today at about, uh, I think, 10.35 p.m. Uh, in Eastern Standard Time. Um, and today I was going to look at a bunch of different uh, lenses in the astrological um chart and I had it all figured out what I wanted to do and then I started out and the information that I found is so <sighs> important. Let's see how far we get today. Um, I'm just going to start out with the full moon. We're going to look at the full moon tonight, the chart for the full moon, um, as it's transiting the United States um, chart, the United States natal chart. So the United States natal chart, and I'm using whole signs, um, it has an ascendant in Libra, which means the other side of the ascendant, which is the descendant, that's in Aries. Uh, it has a midheaven in Cancer, and then it has obviously the, I don't know what you call it, the, the opposite of the midheaven, um, the midnight, that is in Capricorn. So the midheaven is at 12 degrees of Cancer. And the midnight, the, I think the IC, the Imam Kohli, I think is the name of it. Uh, that's going to be at 12 degrees of Capricorn. So it's, it's, um, it's a wheel rolling along and the uh, two planes are just a little bit cocked to the left, if you're looking at it. Um, so at the first house is the ascendant, the fourth house is the descendant, the seventh house is the, oh wait, 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 no, 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 there's all these little letters. The first house is the ascendant, that's the AC. The fourth house is the midnight, the IC, Imam, Coley. The seventh house is the descendant. And the tenth house is the midheaven. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, the other important thing to know about the birth chart for the United States is that the tenth house is chock full of planets. So it has um, Venus, Jupiter, the midheaven, the sun, and Mercury, all of them sitting uh, nicely splayed out over the entire thing in Cancer. All right, let's begin with the ascendant-descendant line, which runs, as I mentioned, from Libra over to Aries. And this Libra-Aries energy, remember, in uh, the way that I look at it, this is a bicycle wheel. The bicycle wheel is reminiscent of the way the human beings, beings walk because uh, without even realizing it, we sort of move our feet up and down in a circular motion as we're walking. We push down and back on the earth and the earth pushes up and forward on us as we're doing that, the opposite and equal reaction. And we move well in whichever direction we want to. Uh, we can move to the left, to the right, forward, backward. We can jump up and down, whatever we want to do. 
And this wheel is reminiscent of that motion. And so the energy that moves between the ascendant and the descendant is connected because it's just opposite sides of the axle. And there's nothing really, the axle is made of, of empty air. Um, there's a bridge around it, but uh, the bridge is bridging the energy to all of the houses. And so the energy moves back and forth between the ascendant and the descendant. And we've got these two polarities of action that are extremely important. One, Aries. Aries is, well, it's the beginning of the chart. Um, the beginning of the chart is in the, the spring. Um, it's after what we, we would call a ram. Uh, I think we have a lot of affinity with this ram. Um, if you see a wild ram, uh, it's, uh, well, you could see a wild doe as well. Um, it's an experience that you'll never forget. Uh, we have them in our mountains here in Colorado, and it looks like in the videos, uh, since everyone's been hiding indoors uh, during the pandemic, that I think Wales also has wild rams and hues. Um, so they do exist. And if anyone's ever watched the movie Babe, my daughter, when she was little, she, she watched that movie 50,000 times. And there was an important uh, lamb. Uh, well, she wasn't a lamb. She was uh, um, an important sheep. So we have a lot of affinity with this sign, the glyph, the ram. And yet... <sighs> There's so many, so much to say about Aries. I'm going to start out with what I want to say, and then we're going to go into the and yet. Um, Aries is the beginning fire. It's the spark. It's also an ember. The problem with an ember, well, it can be a good thing or a bad thing. If it's an ember, it can blaze back up and start burning again. Something that you thought was out can begin again. And since we're in the middle of a pandemic, we've seen this ember come back with measles. Um, we've seen it come back with, with tuberculosis. We've seen it come back briefly. Uh, it never really caught fire, but with, um, oh, I can't remember that disease. They sent it in envelopes. It was a bacterium. Um, Several years ago, people thought it would be cool to send it in bacterium. Anyway, you can, um, the virus energy is one that comes and goes really easily, um, especially as an ember. But we have a special ember, humanity does. And the ember that we're trying to find, it's, it's still lit somewhere. We just have to, to find where it's lit. And then we have to blow on it and get the fires burning again. It's, it's our wild side, and that's what we're looking for. We are looking for our wild side. Um, it's, it's, we're on the journey to find our wild side, and it's, it's gonna be so very, very, uh, we're on a journey unlike we could ever have imagined. Okay, so we've got this, 
beginning spring uh, fire sign that's an ember. We, you know, when, when it's spring, whenever a seed has to pop up through the ground, that little sprout is so strong. It had to break through so much, the new roots going down into the ground. And if you live in a place like Colorado, which has pretty much clay for dirt, I mean, the dirt is so hard, and mostly because it doesn't have a lot of, of um, compost in it. It doesn't have a lot of material that was once alive and is now dead. It's mostly rock here. Um, and if you have a clay like that, then you know exactly how strong that shoot and those roots have to be. And so Aries is a very, very strong energy. Um, in, in many ways, I think of it as a, a young male energy. They're just getting their muscles, and boy, oh, howdy, are they strong. And they're a little clumsy because they don't really know how to use their muscles, and so sometimes the energy can be too strong. But it's such a beautiful energy. That's Aries. And um, the rams, as we call them, um, during mating season, they like to do a lot of sparring. And the way that a, a ram spars is he hits the other rams in their heads. I think they have an extra bone in their uh, skulls, right in between their horns. And it must feel good to bash that extra um, bone against other bones. Um, it gives them some reinforcement. But this bashing energy that we see during mating ener energy, uh, mating season, it has given us this idea that um, penetrating is a good thing. And so over millennia, we have seen that the act of penetration is an act that we value and we give money to those who can penetrate new markets and new ideas, and it's really an energy that we like. Well, let's look a little closely at this uh, Rams energy that we think is so much about penetration. This Ram was a Ram that was killed for its fleece. And then the fleece was used as a, a sacrifice. Um, it, it was um, a ram that gave its life for pretty much nothing. It was killed and murdered. The ram was sacrificed by Jason and the Argonauts, and at least one of the stories that I'm seeing, um, incredibly, the ram had just saved a young boy. Um, from, from being sacrificed. Uh, and then the ram was sacrificed in its place. Um, so we get the words being fleeced from this, and that means sacrificing yourself for, well, I was going to say for something that isn't valuable, but 
Interestingly, if you look at the word sacrifice, when you sacrifice or when anything sacrifices itself, you give something of value, which would be in many cases your life, for something of no value or of lesser value. And that's a second idea with being fleeced, that the ram gave its life, but it didn't get anything in return. And I think that's an extremely important way to start looking at sacrifice. All sacrifices, wherever we see them, mean that you gave something and you got nothing in return. And I know that we often say that we sacrifice for our children. Um, I don't think that's true. I think that we're looking at it as a victim. But there are times in our history when we have made sacrifices. And I'm thinking religions made sacrifice. You know, tonight, and I'm Jewish, and I have to say I'm a Jew that is feeling uh, far away from any sort of celebration at this moment. Uh, but tonight's the first night of Passover. And Passover is a time um, of a sacrifice. And it was a ram that was sacrificed. And this ram was sacrificed in order to save the Jews. Um, they spread the blood on the lintels of the doorposts. And the angel of death knew not to go in there. Uh, and so the, the angel of death kept searching, searching, and found the firstborn of the Egyptians and killed the firstborn. So that's some of the story uh, tonight. Um, this, this idea of sacrifice, um, it's an important one. On the other side, of course, we have Libra. Now Libra, the general idea with Libra is that it is a balance. And things are a balance. And so we're always talking about how things are a balance. But what is a balance? Well, part of this energy of rushing in, of ramming somebody, uh, later on of being penetrated, there's an opposite and equal reaction that you need to have, and that's withdrawal. Um, so if you're ramming as a ram when it's mating season, then sometimes it's not mating season and you don't ram people. I mean, you don't ram other rams. Um, for us, this idea of withdrawal can come when we've been penetrated, when we've been hurt, when we've been sacrificed, um, when we get into an argument, when someone hurts us, we can withdraw. But the balance is to know when to go back because we're, where we're going, we can't stay in victim energy. And so we have to be an active participant. And that's going to mean confronting some of these energies that we'd rather move around, that we'd rather not look at, that we'd rather ignore. And Libra is telling us, no, mm -mm, we need to deal with this. That's the balance. These energies that we overlook, that we accept, we're not going to accept them anymore. We're not going to overlook them. And we're going to deal with them. 
that's Libra. And that's our ascendant. And that's what we have to learn how to do. And learn we must because tonight's the full moon. In Libra, the light is shining as brightly as it can because this is a great big huge moon. It's shining on the actions of the United States to see how we deal with our energies, to see how we begin. And this is the energy of the new moon. Now, I haven't exactly explained what the energy is that we're going to be dealing with. We're going to get there. But this energy in Libra tells us that we've done something that we didn't want to be doing. We have acted in ways that we didn't want to act, and uh, that we didn't realize that we didn't want to act. Um, we've allowed things to occur in our name that we didn't want to occur. And we've had things happen to us that we didn't want to happen. And that light is shining on all parts of every little bit of that. And all of us, whether we were the ones that got hurt, whether we were the ones that did the hurting, we're going to come together. In the axle, actually. That's where the two opposing sides come together. Into this open space that's the axle. It's a bridge into the open space. And this is the area of transformation, the area between penetration and hurting and the area between dealing with it and saying, no, you do not get to penetrate. Penetration hurts. You do not get to penetrate. That's the energy of Libra. All right, let's see. Now, I didn't mention it, but we know that this full moon is shining its energy onto the United States to see all of the things that we've done and that we haven't done and that we wish we wouldn't have done and that the ways that we got hurt. The moon is sitting conjunct, the transiting moon, the moon tonight at 10.35 p.m. It's sitting right over the natal ascendant of the United States. And so the, the moon is reflective. Um, it shows things in a different light. It's the biggest light in the night sky. All of this is true. And it's on the opposite side of us as well from the sun. And so um, while it seems great big huge, we're pretty far away from it. Um, which gives us a good perspective on which to look at things. Sitting almost exactly right on that is Juno, an asteroid. And it's the asteroid of relationships, of inside relationships. And so uh, normally we would say it's relationships within the family, within uh, a bonded pair. But Juno today, it's here for the relationships within the country. And so what relationships are we having troubles with? Um, we're obviously, I'm, I'm 
we have troubles with many different relationships and all of those are coming to light. Um, the first one that's going to come to light, we're sort of going to go back in time um, chronologically. So um, first in, first out sort of thing. Um, we've got the energy of slavery in here uh, that we're going to be looking at. So Saturn is sitting right here too in the first uh, house. It's sitting pretty near the ascendant. It's um, it's about seven degrees away. It's, it's too far for a conjunction near enough that... Uh, you know, Saturn is a gas giant, and Saturn is ringed as well. And so uh, we're going to be looking at, at the limitations that we've placed on ourselves. Where have we placed rings on ourselves? And we generally place rings on, at least historically, on ourselves and on others when we were claiming them. And so that this is at first, an energy of slavery. On the other side, we have um, fairly close. Well, okay, so here we've got the descendant. The descendant is at 10 degrees Aries. Now, interestingly enough, 10 degrees Aries is between the transiting Chiron and the natal Chiron. So the transiting Chiron is in... Aries, and it is transiting at six degrees. And is that right? Let's see here. The transiting Chiron is, is transiting at six degrees. And then we have the natal Chiron, and it is at 20 degrees. So between six degrees and 20 degrees, we have the descendant. And the descendant is at, let's see here, I think it's at 10 degrees. I'm gonna make sure here just in a second if I can find it. Hmm. The descendant is at 10 degrees Aries. So it's, it's moving from the transiting Chiron. Uh, well, it's almost to the transiting Chiron, but um, it's right stuck in between. Now Chiron is an energy it's a healing energy, and I haven't ever said anything about Chiron. Um, Chiron is the wounded healer, and he is, or I'm sorry, he was, I guess he still is, but not in the way that you might be able to find him down the street. Uh, his energy is still, he's half centaur, half human. He was friends with Hercules. Um... He's half immortal, half mortal. And Hercules shot him in the immortal part and caused a wound that could never heal and also could never make him die. So he could never get away from it. And he traveled all around trying to find his a way to heal his wound. And I know that people say that he could never find a way, but it's not true because he did find a way. And the way is to not be the wounder. The way is to be 
the healer. So you have to pull back from everything that you do that wounds other people. You can no longer participate in wounding energy. Normally it takes someone an entire lifetime to find out what all of those energies are because we tend not to confront the people that are wounding us. All we do is we go around and complain about being wounded. And we never really actually confront even the parts of ourselves that wound people because we're so busy complaining about having been wounded by everyone. So Chiron flips that and Chiron is not an energy of complaining about what other people have done to you. Instead, Chiron is an energy that looks at what you're doing. And so all of the energy that's in Aries that is about penetrating without permission. And of course, the, the very definition of the word penetrate means uh, without permission by definition. Because if you enter with permission, you're welcomed. You're not penetrating anything. There's, you know, we talk about sex all the time. And I hear both women and men. And women will say, um, well, he penetrated me. Or he, uh, was there penetration? Um, I've heard this so many times. In consensual sex, there is no penetration. There is no penetration with consensual relationships because one person is ready. One person is welcoming and welcomes the other person in. And they have the full consent and the full emotional need of that other person to be there. Uh, that's not penetration. And so this is what Chiron is saying. Stop talking about penetration and start talking about being welcomed. If you are not welcomed, then you must stay where you are. You must not enter. And that is the energy that we're talking about. Now, very, very interestingly, on the other side of Chiron, we have the sun. And so the sun, which is almost conjunct with Chiron, so the sun, the transiting sun, is at 18 degrees of Aries. So it's at 18, and the natal Chiron is at 20. So you can see that Two degrees is pretty much a conjunction. It's, it's, it isn't touching exactly, but it's very close. Um, <clears throat> it's showing the light on this relationship with the United States. So every time we've penetrated someone, uh, whether it be someone internally that we've penetrated or someone externally that we've penetrated, the sun is here to show light on that. Uh, and how do I know that? Because Eris is on the other side. And Eris, E-R-I, that's another asteroid. Eris is an extremely interesting energy. And the way that I describe Eris may not be the way that someone else describes Eris. Eris is the energy of everyone that's ever been wronged. 
And so maybe I'm going to have to, uh, before I said it was just slavery, we may have to add in genocide there. Um, well, let's go ahead and, and add that into the, the mix. This is a pretty big moon. Um, okay, so Eris is sitting here. Eris is everybody that's ever been wronged, and they're sitting there, and they're angry, and they're calling out the wrongers. Uh, the best way that I can describe this, because I myself participated in this, was during um, women started to, I guess, I don't know what we, I'm too young to have ever called myself a woman's liver, but I came right at the end of that. And a feminist, I guess, is some of what we might have called ourselves, but we were going after men in that. Um, and I would have to say with good reason, um, men, because of who they were and where they were in the patriarchy, it was a, a, a pattern that they pretty much, that was it. Uh, we called them out and we called them wrong. And we said, um, move over because we're taking your spots. And uh, this is Eris. Um, you have been doing this to us for too long. Sit down, shut up, and take what we give you. Um, that's Eris. Now, the interesting thing is, um, Eris, of course, will show you everyone who's ever been wronged. And yet, there's also a message in there for the people that are inside the Eris energy that if you actually go through with your actions and you take the spot of the person that you're angry in, the patriarchy just replenished itself. It just turned itself over. The engines are now running smoothly. Eris is the way the patriarchy reproduces. Uh, don't believe me? Let's look at white women. Uh, white women were amongst all of the other women that were being um, trod upon by men. And then white women in particular stood up and said, no, you don't, buddy. Sit down. Shut up. And we're going to take the reins because we can do it better. And now in the 2019s, 2018s, you can see entire videos where white women are acting as the perpetrator. They're acting as the penetrator. They're acting as the cop, the bully. Um, this is an energy that it turns on you. And now you're the one that's doing the bad things. And this is the message of Eris. Now, Eris is a somewhat of a time-limited sign. So you, if you're in that energy, you can sit down for a bit and wait, but the other people better get with the program and say, uh, oh, we've done all this stuff and it's time for us to begin speaking about this. And really, when you say it that way, <clears throat> the ones who have always done the action need to listen while the ones who have always had the action done to them get to speak. And it's going to be an emotional conversation, and it's going to be a painful conversation. But at the very end of it, if things have gone in a way that is a different energy than in the past, the heiress people, and they're the ones that get to say, 
They're the ones that say yay or nay on this energy. But has, has the energy been overturned of penetration? Do the people who used to be the penetrators understand that penetrating is evil because it's without permission? Once the errors people say, you understand it, you past perpetrators, and we are ready to enter into fellowship again with you, then the patriarchy is done. And so this line, this, this Libra-Aries line is extremely important as we move forward. Um, and believe me, there's a lot else going on, and yet everything else that's going on is here in this line between the ascendant and the descendant. Remember, it, I talked about this at one point. As you're moving around the sun, the, the earth is moving places, but actually everything that we call a direction is pointed at the sun. So when it's uh, in one place, yeah, the ascendant is pointing at the sun, but if you move six months, now it's the descendant that's pointing at the sun. And we say here on the um, astrological wheel chart, the ascendant is always the one pointing at the chart, but it switches. The energy switches. Similarly with north, south, east, and west. Those are the four points around the sun. Each of those is also pointing directly at the sun. It doesn't matter on the earth where you point. You're always pointing at the sun. So you're always shining light on what you're doing because that's what the sun is doing. It's shining light on what you're doing. And that when you're in a place where everyone can see you, then your behavior is going to change. And that is the energy of Libra and Aries. And that is what we're going to be beginning as of tonight. The next thing that's really interesting about this, the chart for the United States is the 10th house. And the 10th house, as I mentioned, it's filled with planets for the United States. So it's filled with um, Venus, Jupiter, the Midheaven, the Sun, and Mercury. All of those natally are in the, the natal chart for the United States. It's in the 10th house. It's in Cancer. Now, in the natal house, Pluto is directly opposite all of those, and it's especially opposite Mercury. So Mercury is sort of how we, we um, process information. Um, this is in Cancer, so the United States processes information emotionally. Um, and so when Pluto's sitting right over the top of you, it kind of sits... Well, it feels like the weight of the world is right on top of you. And it's it's such a, a very heavy weight. And basically, Pluto has an energy, as I mentioned, because I used to watch Star Trek. Uh, well, I guess I still am because uh, Jean-Luc Picard is on on Thursday nights. But um, we've got Pluto across from Mercury. Um you sort of fall apart at the seams because uh, he, Mercury or Pluto's sitting right on top of you. And you cannot 
uh, withstand that much weight on top of you. So you just sort of fall apart. Every, every bit of your resistance just shreds. Um, okay. The 10th house is extremely important here. And the 10th house is a house. Um, many people that have a son or, or planets in the 10th house, they kind of look at it like this. I'm going to say it like, uh, like I had, a son in the 10th house. So let me, uh, the 10th house shows your career and profession. It shows your contribution to society, your position in society, your social standing. I'm reading off of cafe astrology right now. Um, it, it uh, highlights achievement, um, authority figures, like you're going to be one. Um, let's see here. There's another energy that I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> responsibility. There we go. Attitude towards responsibility. This is in the 10th house. Okay. Now let's, let's look at the 10th house in light of what I just said about everything that we've done. So the United States has done a lot of things. Uh, certainly to the people living in this country, we have, as I mentioned, a genocide that is still going on. Uh, we have slavery also still going on. We have uh, countries that we've taken over. Many of them are now sort of satellite countries. Uh, Hawaii, which of course is our favorite vacation spot, which really shouldn't be our favorite vacation spot. Um Puerto Rico, we took over that as well. There's some, I, I think there's some idea about maybe they want to become a state, maybe they don't. Both of those energies seem to be present inside Puerto Rico. And of course, it's it's them that gets to decide, I think, not us. Uh, we've got all the countries in Central America, starting from Guatemala, going all the way down um, to Panama. You can hop the canal, go over to Colombia, and we've got all of the countries in South America. Um, pretty much the United States has had something to do with each of those countries. Uh, I didn't mention the country that's just to the south of us, Mexico. We've done plenty to Mexico as well. And then we've done things to, gosh, uh, many, many, many countries. Uh, I was going to go through that on my little history of all of the world, but um, I'm not getting there. So we've done a number of things. So this is all going to come to light because there's the sun in the 10th house, what we've done to other people. Jupiter, we always think of Jupiter as a, an expansive energy. As I've said, we need to stop thinking about Jupiter as an expansive energy because the expansive energy has to do with being a parasite. And of course, there it is. But um, Jupiter keeps us on track. And so Jupiter is holding us there. And we're going to understand how we've been a parasite to the world. And then here's uh, Venus, also in the 10th. Venus is a sign... It's the feminine sign, and it shows an appreciation of the other. 
it shows a receptivity, a welcoming, a readiness. And that is there too in the 10th house. And so when Venus is ready, she's going to be welcoming and welcoming to all those other energies that are sitting there in that house. And how do we know this? Because the transiting north node is sitting conjunct to the natal Venus in Cancer. And I don't know if you remember, but, well, of course you remember, but it does seem like a lifetime ago. January 12th, 2020, a few short months ago, when we had that big Pluto and everybody else conjunction, um, the birth point, because I said a new energy was being born, an energy of participation, and that energy, the North Node, was in Cancer. And so that's where all of our planets are into this energy that is the new energy. So as they flip from being the old energy of, look at me, I'm special because I have a son in the 10th house, uh, the, the new energy is, I'm going to get to look at everything that I've done to everybody. And that is there in the 10th house. And that's what the United States is being called to do. Um, let's see here. Eris, by coincidence or not, is also sitting opposite all of those planets. So Eris is sitting right where, uh, in fact, you could say Eris is the placenta. So the birth, we had the birth on January uh, 12th. The placenta comes afterwards. Eris is everyone that you've ever um, wronged. And she is sitting there hanging on to Capricorn, waiting for this new energy. Uh, Eris has to get through that too and come out. Uh, the interesting thing, extremely interesting, we've got the Wuhan asteroid sitting right over the top of Pluto tonight. Oh, dear, dear. So the natal Pluto of the United States is 27 Capricorn. And Wuhan, the asteroid, is at 28 degrees Capricorn. So it, it is just a tiny bit past it, but it's it's sitting right there. And of course, Jupiter is also right there on the other side of Pluto. Um, and, and Jupiter keeps us on track. And Judo, uh, Jupiter is about how we've extended our energy into something that we didn't need to. So we are retracting our extension ladders. And that is what Jupiter is asking us to do. Sitting right there, right by Pluto, uh, we are in an energy of retraction right there. All right, let's see here. All right, one more thing about the chart for tonight. The, the full moon in Libra. We have in the United States natal chart, uh, the moon, it's in, um, it's in Aquarius. Okay, so the moon is at 24 Aquarius. It's in the fifth house of creativity, I might say. It is not really opposite, but it's it's sort of acting maybe as a counterbalance to the North Node. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, to the North Node. The North Node is in Leo. 
in the natal, natal chart of the United States. Now a cross sitting nearly conjunct to the north node, transiting. So the, nat north, the natal north node of the United States, the direction that the United States needs to go towards, is pointing right at the transiting panacea asteroid. It's, it's kind of humorous, actually. It's it's um, so amazing. It's humorous. The North Node, the direction that the United States needs to move in, is at six degrees Leo. And the transiting panacea is at six degrees Leo. So we are moving towards a cure for viruses. Uh, we are moving towards a cure for the patriarchy. I might add that, at least as far as I see it right now, the patriarchy and the viruses are pretty much the exact same thing. So they have such similar energy. So the United States is actually, uh, we're going to be participating in this. And so that's a good thing. Um, it's not going to be easy, but it is a good thing. All right, so there's one other thing that is very, very interesting. Let's go back to the moon. So the moon is back in, in Aquarius, which, of course, is the new age, right? Everyone keeps talking about this new age of Aquarius, uh, which I could put the song up for because I did sing it. But that was back then, and this is now. Um, the moon, the, the natal moon, for the United States is at 24 Aquarius and sitting right over the top of it is the transiting Ceres at 24. Let me see. Am I right on that? Let me see here. Hold on a second. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. 24 Aquarius, the transiting Ceres. It's sitting right on the top of the moon. So the moon is emotional. And Ceres, of course, is talking about grief. Ceres, um, she is the one that lost her daughter to Pluto, because Pluto came along and stole the daughter, because he thought that he had the right to do that. This energy of having the right to do whatever you want to is all the way through these... Um, Greek gods, they were really capitalizing on this energy. They wanted us to get it through our heads that the energy to do whatever you want to do is not a good energy. And here's Ceres, and she lost her daughter to Pluto because Pluto came along and he took her. And then while she was down there in the underworld, uh, dead, essentially, she ate some fruit. Now this is extremely similar to Eve, the story of creation for the early Israelites, for the Jews today. Um, Eve ate an apple, which could also be a pomegranate, in the Garden of Eden. And here we have the daughters of Ceres eating something down in the land of the dead. Now, when you eat something, and this is why it's important, because she was not allowed to just leave 
the underworld as soon as she ate something. When you eat something, that something becomes incorporated into you, it becomes a building block for your body. And this is, it is a, um, it's indicative of knowledge and indigenous knowledge, because for indigenous peoples, knowledge is something that you've experienced. It's something that you do. It's not something that somebody tells you. Let's go to school and the teacher's going to tell you different facts and you're going to memorize them and then you're going to spit them out later and then you're going to say that you're better than everybody because you can memorize facts and spit them out at people. This is not knowledge for an indigenous person. An indigenous person has to incorporate experience and that is what eating the pomegranate meant. She had incorporated a part of her had died is what it's saying. And so <clears throat> she got to stay six months down in, in Hades and six months she could come up. But during the six months that she's dead, Ceres is bereft and she stops moving and everything becomes very cold. Now the interesting thing is that Ceres is the brother, she's the sister of Chiron. If I'm not mistaken, I think that I'm true. I mean, I'm, that I'm telling the truth there. Someone could say that I'm wrong and we'll find that out. But uh, Ceres is the sister of Chiron. And so as Chiron's going all around, he's seeing everything that Hades is doing to his sister. He understands that. And that's a part of this healing is to stop doing whatever you want. It's just not okay. And so we're going to be feeling grief for everything that we've done because we thought we could do it. We thought we had the right to do whatever we wanted to. And that is what Ceres is standing right on the top of the moon telling us that we're going to be feeling grief for everything that we've done. And that's appropriate. This is Grief is the way through this. Um, so I think that's enough for tonight. I'm going to put up a copy of this. It may take me a bit because um, these energies are coming so fast. And I have to say I'm also holding down, uh, well, I have three jobs right now, but um, I, I don't have a lot of time. So I'm, I'm sort of rushing through some of this stuff and it may take me a little tiny bit to get the birth chart up. You can find the birth chart for the United States on um, AstroDienst or just astro.com. Um, and you can just put in uh, the birth data for the United States, uh, July 4th, 1776. Um It's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm not really sure what the time is, so I put down 12 o'clock. Um, if someone has a good time for when they signed, I, I felt like it was somewhere in the middle of the day that they probably were signing the, the document. But um, you can put in your own, and, and, and you have to choose whole signs, because that's what I did. And um, it'll, it'll give you the birth chart. Um,
All right, so that's enough information for now. I'm going to have to, tomorrow I'm going to come back and do the other two because this is a big day. This is not just a little day. So tomorrow I can still talk about today because the energies are still going to be there. And um, I'd like to invite you to something. I am at 9 o'clock tonight going to begin holding a, it's going to be twice daily, a breathing session. I am feeling as I mentioned, that um, parasites, well, particularly viruses, and authoritarians are pretty much the same energy. And so I have learned in my lifetime that with an authoritarian, you must put limits around them. And that includes being extremely precise on what you're telling them they can and cannot do. So... Um, you have to tell them exactly what you do not want them to do. And then they do it. And you can watch this. Uh, even Trump will listen when everyone tells him no. There's no other way. He has to. Hitler listened to the country, um, one of the countries, they, when he came for the Jews. And miraculously, the country stood up and said, no, you're not taking the Jews. And he did not. He did not take the Jews. And the Jews in that country lived to the end of the war. Um, this is a very potent power that you take towards authoritarians. You tell them no. No. And they listen. It's a very old word. It's probably the, one of the only words that they actually speak. No. If you tell them something else, um, they don't hear it. And so we are going to say no to the virus tonight. And we are also going to breathe for everyone who cannot breathe because we are in need worldwide of ventilators and respirators. Now, medically speaking, a respirator is that mask that filters out the viruses. So we're going to be... The, the respirator, but in an opposite way than, than the mechanical respirator works. And we're also going to be a ventilator in the opposite way that a ventilator works, because we're going to welcome the air into our lungs. And all of us in our own homes are energetically going to grab each other's hands and hold tight because we're one body, all of us, the whole human body. We're going to breathe in the cool, fresh air. And we're breathing for everyone, those who can breathe, those who cannot. We're going to enter the spaces of the people who have holes in their lungs. We are going to breathe in, and we are going to breathe in for everyone. And then we are going to breathe out. And when we breathe out, we are breathing out every single virus that's in our bodies. They're not welcome. They entered our bodies without permission. They must leave. We are telling them, no, out. And so we breathe out and all of the viruses exit. Now, the thing about being out in the open air, um, and this is going to be difficult to imagine, but we're going to leave the viruses outside so that in the morning when the sun comes up, it's going to burn those viruses up because the sun will kill the viruses. And it may take three hours. I don't care how long it takes the sun to kill those viruses. 
but it will kill them when they're outside. Um, so we're breathing in the cool, fresh air. We are breathing out every last virus amongst us. And we're going to do this twice a day, joining hands together, all of us, breathing in and breathing out. Now, there's no controls on this. You're just breathing. Although, if you prefer, you can do um, a meditation if you want to, because there's no control. So I'm not telling you how to do this. But you can breathe any which way you want to. And in, we breathe the cool, fresh air. Out, we breathe the virus. Twice a day. It's I'm going to do it at 9 o'clock here in Mountain States time. Uh, it's always 9 o'clock somewhere. And so uh, whenever you participate in this, um, you can join hands with the 9 o'clockers wherever they happen to be because it happens to be 9 o'clock somewhere on the earth. And so I invite you, I'm going to put up a, I'll put up a link on my webpage, governmentalastrology.com. I'm going to do it on YouTube. And I have a website also that I'm going to post these so you can go and see them. Um, but I'll put a link up to my uh, YouTube spot. I'm hoping that I can figure all this out in the time allotted. If it takes me 12 hours to figure this out, and I don't do it tonight, by tomorrow morning at 9 I'm, I will have figured this out. So, um, as always, I am so glad that you're here. If you want to give me a call, please do my phone number, 720-608-0309. My email address, governmentalastrology at gmail.com. Tune back in at 9 o'clock tonight. And uh, what I might do is I might put a link on this episode to my YouTube spot and then you can just come to it uh, and then go to that link if you want to see us uh, for example tomorrow morning it may be that I can't put the link up until after the live broadcast is over the first time but after that you should be able to find us so um, I'm hoping all this works out and if not, just join hands with us at, at 9 o'clock, wherever you are, breathing in, breathing out. And I will see you tomorrow with the rest of this because there's a lot of still really interesting information to come when I look at the other two days that I'm going to look at the um, energy of today with. So as always, I'm glad you're here and I'll see you later.